1: All right, let's talk some market basketball, folks. Um,
0: yeah, buddy!
1: We are joined, as always, by Ben Snyder, Sam Newberry, and I'm Patrick Leary. Um, we are going to try to do a nice little free-flowing September basketball podcast here, and once uh, we exhaust some pretty current event related topics we'll probably do a bunch of different stuff um but to start um i think we should probably discuss i don't know what do we th- what do you think is the biggest topic i was gonna lean into the um uh recent commit um from you know, let's start let's start with those let's start with let's Oso. start with Oso. Oso, a great name spanish bear. for bear
0: um, yeah, yeah. i'm yeah really going to go headfirst into that nickname for him. I started off with the milkman and I'm going to keep coming in hot.
1: Yeah, it um he has a very nicknameable name based on that. I'm I'm very excited and he is he is a uh, a player that will likely require um a nickname.
0: Um, Unfortunately not a very uh good name to Spoonerize spoon. Well
1: you can't really make yeah. a good
0: spoonerism out of it.
1: No, well, you know, names mm-hmm. with vowels are more difficult usually, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, he's
0: kind of our I- ike replacement. Right.
1: Yeah. That one was identical. Um yeah. not not quite not quite on that level. Um but yeah, so I that was the big news, I think, partly because it was Sort of out of nowhere. I mean, not totally out of nowhere, but it accelerated really quickly. And mm-hmm. I think the Justin Lewis news from last, uh, when was that? Last time, I guess, maybe a month. July. Before. Yeah, it was last time we potted. That had um, came come about rather quickly as well. But this was even faster than that. And this was not a name, um, that I think many Marquette folks had on their radar. Um, it went very quickly.
2: Yeah. I mean, he kind of just blew up in general. Um, yeah, too. I I know that, um, just following some of the players and stuff on Instagram and other social media. Um, he works with Desmond Howard. So Marcus's brother, um, and he's I from the same. Gonna time. I was going to say ESPN college football guy. <laughs> it is Des. It, it is Desmond, right? I'd feel really bad if I got that name. Um,
1: I'm not sure his name. Marcus's third brother's name is Desmond Howard, but I'm not. But I. I would feel really,
2: really, really bad if I just like yeeted the wrong name out into the conversation. <laughs> Marcus's brother. Marcus's brother. No, you're right. It
1: is Desmond. You're right. <laughs> uh, uh,
2: Mark. So Marcus's brother. Um, runs like a an elite training camp for athletes um, back in Arizona. Um, so it was partly the Stan Johnson connection. Um, Oso actually worked with his brother at that camp or is now working with his brother at that camp um, for personal training and stuff. So um, I do know that there's some connection to the Howard family. I'm not sure if that was pre-existing or not. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it went from all of a sudden he had – Uh, he, I think we offered him in like, he came under the radar in like April Marquette offered him in July, maybe. And we were in his top four, top five. Um, so I don't know. It kind of just came out of nowhere that all of a sudden we have interest in this kid. Um, and then, you know, what, three months later we get a commitment. So it was kind of, you know, out of left field. He's, you know, as the guys on the, the scrambled eggs podcast said this morning, um, You know, he's a top 75 guy, top 80 guy, right. um, according to 24-7 sports. So, you know, it, it's not often that you manage to land a kid that good doing just, you know, like r- recruiting sort of on the fly. So that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that surprised me is when I heard that Marquette had landed a commitment and I had really not... I don't know if I'd seen the name yet, but I just kind of assumed that if it wasn't a guy that I'd heard of, that it was going to be a lower-ranked prospect like a Ike or a Greg Elliott, um, where those came together late and as more of a filler. But, I mean, um, Oso seems to potentially have an extremely high ceiling, especially with how he's accelerated as a prospect. Similar Um, to what uh, Justin Lewis did, but um, the uh, progression on his end seems to be um, one of a sort of unlimited ceiling type potential. Um, And that, even though he had that rise, for him to be as high as he is right now, and for Marquette to sort of Throw that together under the radar, uh, thanks to the god Stan Johnson. Um, does he own the state of Arizona?
2: I think he just owns the west coast because, um, isn't Dexter Arcano from I think he played at a school in New Jersey maybe, but I think Dexter Arcano is from California, isn't he?
1: Hmm. Is he really? I think so. I need to, uh, I need to know that. Um, yeah, because he (laughs) played, I know he played at prep school. Um, us see. I'm, I'm doing a Google. It says he's from New Jersey, but oh. uh, probably, maybe he's not originally from New Jersey. Let's um, just assume I'd, that
0: Sam's right and speak it into existence.
1: Yeah. Well, Dexter, I don't. Dexter Ocano, speaking of folks, I saw a picture of Dexter Ocano that Paint Touch just tweeted today, or a video of him defending uh, Ed Morrow. Um, oh, yeah. Dexter Ocano is yoked, man. <laughs> he's. uh... 18 years old, and he is, he has a man's body. He is, he is very, very jacked. And that is very encouraging because a lot of times that's the problem with freshmen, not the strength.
0: I was just going to say, it, kind of on an opposite line of thinking, but uh, Oso joins the long list of players into the 20, 2020, 2021 season. We've got Jamal Kane. Brendan Bailey, Greg Elliott, Justin Justin Lewis, and Oso. Do you think there's a little bit of a commonality between those guys? Just can guard all the spots, are rail thin, have have a little bit of work to do on offense, but can generally catch and shoot pretty well. That's kind of what what Ojo's going for, and he's really diving headfirst into it.
1: I was going to say, I the pessimist in me wanted to scream out, we're not sure any of them can shoot, but I decided to decided to let you go on your athletic rant there.
0: Yeah. Uh, it does still kind of worry me from the perspective of, like, I think that Wojo can generally adjust to opponents fairly well. I just don't think that he has the roster with which to adjust adequately for generally. And I don't think that the upcoming years are going to be helping that much. So like, let's say that teams have a very strong counter to a lineup that includes Greg Elliott, Greg Elliott and Brendan Bailey. Who are you going to put in for those guys that don't have a similar skill set to them that can adjust well to those types of opponents. And so I think that, can cause a problem, especially if you're trying to give all those guys similar amounts of minutes and it's not a whole lot differentiating them. So I'm kind of hopeful that with the one, two, three, four remaining spots that he can kind of go for something a little bit different with the rest of the recruiting class, maybe a little bit more point guard, big guy
2: depth. I don't know. Sure. I mean, uh, you know, and we're going to harp on this throughout the rest of the podcast. Um, We kind of have to shoehorn a roster and a rotation together this year um, after the (laughs) untimely departures of the Hauser brothers. Um, Who? Yeah, shut up, Ben. Um, But uh, did Jared Gephardt just invade invade this podcast? Shut up, you. (laughs) Anyway. um, Shocking. Moving on. I... Moving on from that, Um, I I like the idea of positionless basketball, Um, you know, especially if we're going to project forward, um, you know, you still would imagine Kobe McEwen is starting um, in that lineup. Um, He's no small human being by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Mm. But I kind of like the idea that then we'll we'll go, you know, Kobe McEwen, Greg Elliott, uh, Brendan Bailey, just or Oso and. Uh, Theo, I mean, that's a pretty formidable lineup. Um, Sure. Or, you know, however they end up starting. So I like the fact that they can all fill in for each other. Um, You -hmm. know, some some of them, um, so for example, Justin Lewis will probably stick more to the three and four versus, um, you know, I guess Oso's been playing guard most of his life and then just had a, a radical growth spurt. So, you know, you would trust him maybe more to be at the two or the three. Um, sure. or at least guarding the two and the three. Um, so I, I, I like that, but Ben, you do raise a good point. We're still going to need, um, you know, a long-term, or, you know, the, the eventual replacement for Theo John, um, the eventual replacement for Kobe McEwen. Um, I think we do have that on the roster right now in Samir Torrance. Um, and then, obviously, Dexter Kano can play both of the guard spots. I'm not sure I'd trust him right now um, to be a lead player point guard you know floor general type but Mm -hmm. um definitely you know have depth there I think the one thing we're going to need um the most next year and, and this gets into one of the questions that we got asked on Twitter by the way it's um you know uh let's assume uh Marquette gets so this is from a notable friend of the podcast Alan Bukowski um so let's assume Marquette gets um Dawson Garcia and one of RJ Davis or uh Hoggard. AJ mm-hmm. is it AJ Hoggard? Is that right? Um one of the I two guards.
1: I don't know who the Hoggard guy is. I need to look him up.
2: He took an official, he's a combo guard. He's kinda of like Kobe. Um but some yeah, other big right. name potential that, there. AJ. If you
0: just call him like Boar or something like that. Yeah.
2: But um so, I mean, that kind of solves the problems that we would see. Um, you know, like one of those two can play the point guard. Dawson Garcia is your center of the future. Um, and again, you know, him, Oso, and Justin Lewis can all sort of interchange the three, four, five. Um, I guess, th- so the following question was, what do you want to do with the remaining two scholarships? And I think, I mean... What do you need? Maybe a sh- a definite shooter at the four. Would That's be, what I was
1: gonna say. Somebody to somebody to run around screens and make shots would be yeah. awesome.
2: Uh, do you go for like a lethal? So like R- I know R. J. Davis is like five eleven, very Marcus Howard esque. Um, maybe not the true flamethrower three point shooter Marcus is, but definitely still an elite scorer. Um, do you do you get a? I guess you're, the the shooter you have to go get doesn't really matter where they play on the floor, um, except for you know maybe. Uh, you probably don't need a guy that plays wing, <laughs> but yeah. so you yeah. want sh- you want a shooter that's a true big guy. So think some of those Creighton centers, um, or <laughs> uh you know you want to like a sniper from the one or the two spot.
1: I love I love that you can just gesture broadly at an entire program. <laughs> yeah. And that you want uh, a three-point shooting center? Yeah, L- literally you Cre- be- before I yeah.
0: said Creighton, I was just like Ethan Ruggie.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: I hear there's a, there might be this grad transfer coming out next year. We might want to get um uh, Joseph Chartouni. I think we can yeah. use a guy like him.
2: Shut up.
1: Yeah. That worked real well uh that's i'm i'm a little uh, i'm a little grad transfer uh gun shy, to be honest uh, yeah I am too. experiences
2: I mean, i think um so if we get you know one of those two guards we get Dawson Garcia um i think you know do i don't think we'll probably get another freshman um on that scholarship. I think we'll probably end up getting a you know like a traditional transfer shooter sometime this year um, that's my guess. Uh, I'm curious. I think I'm not as gun-shy about the grad transfer, but I really want to see how Jace Johnson works this year first before I just say, yeah, every year we'll reserve a scholarship for, like, a backup big guy,
1: you know? As far as Jace Johnson goes, what's I'm, what I'm encouraged by uh, from a grad transfer standpoint is that it's hard. It's not, like, an, a huge adjustment Process to do what he's going to be required to do for Marquette. Um, he's going to be relied on to be a big dude that uses his size to rebound and make high percentage shots. And so, I'm not worried that the adjustment to that role for him is going to be crazy arduous. Whereas my
0: my worry is that he gets a little bit too good for that role almost to the point where he's called upon to do way more than he should be doing. And some of his defensive numbers last few years are just not good, even for a big guy. And he just, he strikes me as a guy who can get rebounds at a very elite level, which is great. But, I still worry that coaches overvalue rebounding to what they're actually worth. And if Wojo puts him out there to get rebounds because rebounds are really, really valuable in his mind, I don't think that will work out as
1: well as okay. he thinks it will. Let's, uh, let's use that to jump into... I don't uh, want to. Yeah, well, we've got to do this because this is kind of the... I would Would you say this is the hot topic of the offseason? I think it has to be. It absolutely is. It's definitely the, the thing that people are talking the most about within our limited, hardo, semi blogger Twitter sphere that we exist in. Um, I. It's the too the big question, which is clearly a thing. John Fanta from, uh, I believe, Big East Digital Network. Correct. Um, had tweets about it today, Um, and it's not going away at all in any sort of fashion. Um, So the question from uh, Jonathan Schmidt on Twitter was how much do we think that they're going to go two bigs? Um, He said 60% of the game. I think that that's too high. Yeah, that's way too high. Um, Taking foul trouble out of the equation is – is an interesting way to look at it. That could mean 60% of the time that either Ed, Dio, or Jace don't have concerning numbers of fouls, which I would imagine they... At least one of them will have concerning numbers of fouls at almost any point after the first 10 minutes of probably every game, just by nature of how they play and how they're officiated. Um, So I, I don't know if it's good to you know, take foul trouble out of the equation because I think that like completely offsets it. But I would say at least initially, I, and it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say, but I would expect, um, um, ma- not a majority, a good share of the sort of rotations that they go through. Um, to include two big guys. Now based on what we've seen. I would imagine. The primary. Um, duo. Is Theo and Jace. Not necessarily from a. Standpoint of who is above each other on the depth chart. But watching the. The. Um, You know, watching practice video and watching some videos of the games on tour, it seemed like Theo and Jace were played together more than either of the other duos. And I would say I find it, based on how last season worked, unlikely to see Theo and Ed a whole lot. Together.
2: See, I disagree with that because I think of the three, Ed Morrow is the most natural one that could slide down to the four. Um,
1: now, is that just a factor of his size,
2: though? Because I think a lot. No, of I, think, th- I think he's quicker um, or foot yeah. speed quicker than both of the two. Um, he's definitely got a better looking jump shot than the other two. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, so it's a low bar. Well, yeah, <laughs> but somebody's got to be the best of the worst, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm, th- I I'm think... thinking
0: of plays where one of the three "quote unquote" fours is out on a wing and trying to take someone one on one, and out of those three, the person I see having the highest chance of getting around their man and making a layup is probably Ed.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think I agree with that. Um, and then, yeah. so I think um, the rotation will look a lot more like Theo and Jace switching off at the five.
1: With well, I and, hope so. I think well, that yeah. one make, that makes more sense. I'm just going off of based on what we've seen. I think that that, that does make a lot more sense. Um, Ed though is a very I, I, I think the biggest problem is I wouldn't say that either all, any of the three are better at the four than they are at the five. Correct. Very, very, yeah. very correct. And that would be the problem because anytime you play two of them, one is automatically at the four just by virtue of how numbers and math works. <laughs> um, so it's um, – but initially I, I, I don't think – and this actually Jonathan also asked a question about what we think the starting five looks like. I don't imagine that the starting rotation and all, in addition to the finishing rotation, which is – sometimes a more um, important uh, and telling factor about who the coach thinks your best five is. Um, I don't envision either of those initially or really long-term because I don't think it's going to work too well, um, including two of the centers. I think that that, I think that, they will most likely start the games, um, and Jonathan suggested Morrow as as a starter. Um, I, I would m- most likely anticipate um, Howard, uh, McEwen, Annam, Bailey, and John as the starting lineup. I think that that's yeah. kind of what we've been thinking about as the starting lineup ever since the Hausers left. I mean, I don't think yeah. I'm wrong in saying that, right? That's Yeah, yeah. That's... And,
0: par- and partially I think what will dictate the two big lineup tendencies more than anything else is the immediate development of Brendan Bailey. And right. that's kind of why I'm not entirely worried about what Woj is saying about it because I'm of the minds – like in my – Big East preview that will be coming out. Hashtag plug. Um, I have Brendan Bailey actually as first team all big east. That is because blah. I I legit I love I, am, that. I will stand on this take. I legitimately believe that he is going to be a star and it begins this year. And I think as long as he's able to show it quickly. I don't think Wojo is going to be taking him off the four that much. And if that does happen and occasionally to give Brennan Bailey some rest, and maybe if Jamal Kane doesn't continue to impress, if he does that just to fill up space, then I can be fine with that. But if he's intentionally doing this just to kind of prove a point or something like that, that's when I'm going to get mad. But I'm still kind of holding on to the mindset that this is Brendan Bailey's time to be the takeover for Marcus Howard. And he's going to be wow. doing it from the four position.
1: I don't that think is a that. Take. I don't think I've heard that from anywhere else. His defense is oh, without a amazing. Doubt. And
0: all he, like he has a good shot. It just needs, consistency, which is something that I think you can reasonably expect in a freshman to sophomore year jump.
1: Sure. I, yeah. It's it's just not something that I've seen. Um, so I assume you think that both of them are going to be first team All-Big East, because there's no way that Howard isn't either. I just by virtue. I actually have Howard, Howard
0: as football. third team All-Big East. I'm just kidding. I have him
1: as player of the year. Suck at Miles Powell. Yeah. I was going to say, because there's no way he's... I mean, he's a lock for everything, him and him or Powell will likely, I just don't know if there's like even a world where um, either of them don't, one of them doesn't win all player and the other one isn't pretty much unanimous just based on like purely on usage rate almost that would contribute. Um, But I do think, so you were mentioning Bailey taking over the four and I do think part of why the two big lineup is, um being discussed more is i'm not sure the personnel exists for bailey to play the four full time um because i i just kind of think that it's going to be hard to play i i, I don't think sakari Annam is going to play the three all the time and now samir and and dexter are and now healthy Greg Elliott add to quite a deep guard rotation there. But I'm still not convinced that Sakar Anum is for sure just all, all things go as a um, wing that leans forward. I disagree I with that. Like, yeah, I, I, I think I,
2: that – Um, I mean, offense, he plays like a three – um, or he plays like a wing player. He played, you know, the two last year. Um, well, he's certainly
1: not a one. I don't think nah, he's certainly not a one.
2: Um, no. but I, uh, I mean, I think that like, they're still going to like sit him on the best perimeter player on the opposing team. So like the matchups don't really matter. Like, you know, we're not forcing the one to guard the one and the two to guard the two or whatever. Like, I, like he's still going to be playing that elite perimeter defender. Um, no matter where he technically is in the lineup. And I think that his skill set is way more, um, you, you know, th- three and wing type skill set. So I, I, I think that he's pretty well locked in to always play the three. That's interesting. Um, and so, I think that like and then like his natural backup is Jamal Kane. So like th- those are your two threes. You have Brendan and Ed to split the four. Theo, um, Jason, to an extent, Ed to play the five. Um, and then you let your stable of guards go nuts.
0: I'm thinking of, the, of those wing positions less as who's playing the two, who's playing the three.
2: I'm
0: kind of thinking of it more as we need two guys to fill this general spot in the lineup in that kind of positionless mindset. I think that's kind of what Wojo has done in the past. Like, I don't know, I, th- I think it will be less like, Oh, Kobe is the two. Sikhar is the three. It'll be something yeah, like, "Sure, here, here's Greg, and here's Sikhar. I don't know. Here, do whatever."
1: I think yeah. part. I think part of what's in, what's um, inspiring is a weird word to use, but um, motivating the uh, two center looks um, beyond just the fact that hey, look, we have three centers, so we should try to not rotate them one to one to one all the time is I don't think they're satisfied with the depth that they have one through four Um, from the standpoint of more, more like leaning into the three to four range. But I just don't think that, that they as a staff are convinced that at all times they can play four of the guys that are not the big guys. I, I think I think that there's a little bit of that in it. Obviously, people have been talking about it from the standpoint of that you just have three centers, so I mean that's kind of a waste of space if you're going to try to get yeah. them all some minutes. But mm-hmm. I do think part of it is I don't think they're totally confident that the personnel that they could have w- that they have, which is a bunch of guards, <laughs> a guard that is now more of a switching wing and Sakar, and then two three two guys who play the three nominally that are tall and long and maybe can play the four, but certainly can't play it from a, well, at least Jamal Cain certainly can't play it from a strength standpoint. Um, I'd have Bailey's a little bigger and probably continuing to get bigger, I would imagine. Um, but I just don't think that they're confident in their overall depth. Um, to fill those four spots at all times. And I think that that's part of what's motivating it as well. So that's kind of was where I was trying to go to and yeah, I could be right. I about so that. Far, but I just don't think that they have enough roster depth, um, to, and it, you know, it really, all of the sort of questions we've talked about with this roster kind of make me think about how lucky the team was to have Sam Hauser just because he fills and filled that exact void mm-hmm. that they have right now where they both miss shooting and someone that plays the four, uh, naturally. At, yeah. yeah. Naturally. <laughs> and it's like, Oh wow. There's just a giant Sam Hauser sized hole in this roster. Yeah.
2: Um, well, yeah. So, kind of go ahead. I was just, saying, uh, I was going to follow up with a second part of Alan's I was question. Just, yeah.
0: I was just going to quickly piggyback off the depth, like the debt, like, the depth is there in that there are a lot of guys to play the position and we do probably have a little bit of a homer bias. So stepping back from that, if you look at like like Sakar Annum and Cody McEwen are probably gonna be the starters, Sakar Annum was essentially an average player on offense last year, making a solid amount of threes, a solid amount of twos, and not doing a whole lot else. And McEwen in his last year at Utah State's partially why I'm Pretty down on him as opposed to like I see where paint touches is coming from with the hype in his skill set. But at Utah State, he didn't really impress at all and had some real laziness on defense. And so those are going to be the two guys taking up the starting spots. And you can't really count on Greg Elliott being healthy anymore, unfortunately, as much as he's just a great player. So I'm Kind of thinking that I'm on Patrick's team with this, and I don't think I had that take about
1: the depth much before that. Um, yeah. Here's a question that I just conjured out of thin air, thinking about what you were saying. Um, who is the perimeter defender on this team? Do we still think it's Sakar in him?
2: It's, um, so it's going to be one of Sakar, Greg, Brendan, or Dexter. And, yeah. Well, I mean, like it, it's and it's gonna be like we saw like Greg is ridiculously lanky and is a matchup problem for guards, um, mm-hmm. because of his athleticism and he's sneaky strong, um, and is you know super lanky, six three, six four, um, you know, so I think that he has the chance to overtake Sakar. I mean, Sakar is still the proven like bet, like as of right now, Sakar's is the best perimeter defender on the squad. But I think that any one of Bailey, um, so like if you think about maybe dropping Bailey to the three when you're running, right. you know, maybe maybe Ed and
1: Theo together. Um, yeah. uh,
2: so to it's going to be Sakaar
1: based on that, because the, the the issue would be with Bailey, especially if we're thinking we want to try to see him play as much four as possible as we're parsing this. You can't really have the guy who's on the floor as a nominal four be a perimeter defender, Against a team with any sort of um escalating size, as in any team that doesn't just play got to not to say Creighton again, but it's a perfect example. Any team that doesn't play four 6'5 guys and a 6'10 guy like Creighton does almost every time they they line up. Um you'd have to if you were to have Bailey in as the four he couldn't be your perimeter defender because you likely couldn't make the matchups work to have Sakar Anum guard a guy in the post. Yeah, that great well, game's going to be a nightmare for us. Like It will.
2: It's, but not, I,
0: also, I also think we might be underrating a decent amount how insane Greg Elliott's freshman year was from a defensive standpoint in the fact that he was in the 80th percentile of, in the country in both block rate and steal rate. Yeah. So, like, I, 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 don't think he'll have any problem stepping into that role as perimeter defender, and I think that that's the role that Wojo is going to call him on the most. I, like, I when think he needs a defensive stop.
1: I think we're underrating Greg Elliott's freshman year because we have absolutely no idea if Greg Elliott can contribute at all based on health. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just don't think the guy redshirts a whole year and then gets hurt again, and you're, and you're kind of like. You know, it's not like an Aikeke situation where obviously that dude's just... His body's just not letting him play. But it's just a standpoint of how do we... How can we rely on any sort mm-hmm. of consistent contribution from Greg um, until we can see him stay healthy in the normal rigors of a basketball? Because cause he's never been hurt in a game. It's always been practice. It's... he He had the the injury going into his freshman year, which I believe was the same injury, right? I mean, it wasn't like a reaggravation. I mean it might have been a reaggravation, but it was the same injury that he that held him out of last year was what nagged him all of his freshman year, right? And he just had to get surgery on it.
0: Yeah. I believe it was the same thumb. I'm yeah. also an idiot, so don't listen to me.
1: Yeah, sure. Good, good always Way to throw that in. That always is a good. Yeah, qualifier. we should actually put
0: that disclaimer at the beginning of every podcast. We are all dumb idiots. And yeah, don't listen to this. Eat Arby's. But listen.
2: Eat Arby's. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh. Let's well, so I mean, like while uh, we're still here. Um, yes. Yeah, so Alan Bukowski yes, well, uh, did ask another question. It's, how do you feel um, the longer three point arc will potentially impact this too big offense spacing wise. So just offense spacing wise, and I can answer with my favorite phrase just regarding this lineup period is thanks. I hate it. Um, sure. I mean, it's just like, yeah, there's, there is more room for bigs to work inside and there's more lanes that can open up. Sure. Um, we weren't particularly great at finishing at the rim last year. (laughs) Um, No, you know, Marcus's floater was, yeah, you would hope so. Um, but I just like, especially if we don't have another guy to take advantage of the jump shot, you know, a la Sam Howser being able to hit everything from 15 feet in and then also being a
0: twisty jumper
2: already, yeah, like we don't (laughs) know that Ed Morrow can do that, right? So there's, you know. I just don't like it because the space the the increased space lends itself more to a team that plays for out one it like it mm-hmm. lets shooters get more free it you know yeah there will be more room Um the, the two bigs won't clog the paint as much but the I mean you know the lane is still the same size if you're going to run sets based around it like you're still going to have two guys inside the arc to start and that just limits what you can do with it so you know, just I don't foresee like in and a the game of basketball is going further and further away from a traditional big man being a thing. Running two of them in a game that is faster and more wide open and more conducive to shooters and more conducive to quicker ball movement. um, you know, I just I don't see the two big lineup being ultra successful. Um, I mean, I know people like to harp on the well. We're gonna clean up the the offensive glass and get a ton of shots or a ton of second shots, but I don't want to have to rely on <laughs> just yeah. hoping we crash boards um, for offense and you know let people chuck shots, hoping that somebody will drag it back down and kick it back out for another possession. I don't think that's a reliable offensive scheme.
1: I, I'm only interested in the two big high low offense as a function of maybe Theo John can develop a game that requires or allows him to score from outside of five feet. That would be awesome. That would be like Theo gaining the infinity stones slowly. And that is not our, not I a think... segue into Sam's Marvel corner segment. Anyway, <laughs> continue.
0: I just going to quickly. JB Bauer, a very underrated Marquette Twitter follow. He's, very in tune with a uh, Minnesota high school basketball. Uh, he saw Theo a lot and made the prediction at some point that Theo was going to develop an outside shot. And I am still waiting on that.
2: And yeah. Just- I um, I think I'm in agreement with that. I mean, like I still remember, like, I think I wrote the player preview for Theo John when he first came into the Marquette program or no, I wrote it for big East coast bias. Um, when I was still writing there trader, uh, it was before Anonymous Eagle. Betrayed. I, I, I betrayed them was to it, come here. If anything, but was, um, it before, <laughs> was
1: it before Rob was mad online, or is that always? Rob has nice? always been mad online. Yeah, okay, um,
2: but moving on from that, um, you know, he flashed, he flashed the not Dirk esque jumper, but definitely like the take the a couple power, yeah, take a couple good power dribbles and have a decent fade away and or standing straight up jump shot um, from like seven or eight feet. So I, I, the skill sets there, they don't really need him to ever do it. I think my biggest worry with Theo's game is that he just, we, we don't right now have an elite offensive big man. You know, there none of them have shown that they can be a consistent go-to inside
1: score. Mm-hmm. Um, You're telling me think- that Jace Johnson is not an elite offensive big man. <sighs> shocking. Without,
0: honestly what, shocking
1: that you would slander him thus. Eric Gebhardt entered what the chat. would turn those
0: guys into <laughs> elite bigs which is kind of like we haven't really discussed it much this off-season off-season because of the too big discussion. What honestly should be dominating a lot of our conversation going into this year is how can we limit those damn turnovers? Uh, yeah, like like Joey hazard has gone, and he was probably the biggest culprit of them. I'm not... By Marcus no means Howard guessing, was I'm pretty bad about it, too. Towards the end of the year, but the two of the returning guys, the two biggest turnover-prone guys were Ed Morrow and Theo John. Like, they yeah. both had turnover rates individually above 20. It's like a fifth of the time that they were touching the ball and the possession ended. It was because of a turnover. So... Like that would that alone would probably turn them in from like solidly kind of above average into like those consistent presences that we're trying to get at here because that torpedoed the offense last year in that last stretch.
2: Sure. And I mean, I think that goes into it, too, is that, you know, if we're going to have any success with this too big lineup, you're going to need. Yes, you're right. You're going to need bigs that aren't turning the ball over one fifth of the time, um, but you're also going to need some big to step up and become like an actual consistent offensive scoring threat. Because Ed can score, but he gets a, that came off a lot of um, screen uh, screens and cuts, and you know, like mm-hmm. the little wrap around the defender and the lane pass. Um, we don't really have a like. I keep going back to like jesse Govan, or um who else was was in this hell matt hell <laughs> um but or i mean hell even uh what it is luke fisher like luke fisher for all of the flaws he did have as a player could had a hook shot and had a back to the basket offensive game
1: his shot was so pretty my but, god like, if we're going his hair not so much Yeah, the
2: the faux hawk was real bad, Luke. But um, if we're going to have any sort of offensive consistency and efficiency, one of the three big guys has to make something happen with back to the basket. Because otherwise, that's never going to be respected. And then, you know, we we have another big guy who's also clogging up areas. And, you know, they've said good things about Jace Johnson passing out of the post. But – um. If we don't have somebody to go to there, um, I
1: don't think that the offense will be efficient at all. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, another interesting question that uh, I noticed in – this actually just came in right before we started recording. And I should take a moment to acknowledge that the Brewers have just clinched the uh, a playoff spot. Um, the
0: official team of the Anonymous Eagle Podcast.
1: Yes, a hundred percent. A team Behind that we can miles. all. A team that we can all agree. Well, I, I mean, okay. Sir. A, <laughs> a, <laughs> a team that we can all agree on because we probably don't like each other's teams, so we could mutually we could mutually agree to like the Brewers, who, in any way you cut it, are an extremely likable. Uh, franchise just because they have do not have a huge track record of success and all the fans just go to the games to drink beer and forget about their lives. So it's like a very it's a very good it's a very good uh um very likable uh uh relatable uh, fan base. Anyway, tangent over. Another question that I thought was interesting um, was uh, Dan Spanbauer uh, wrote that asked Wait, us if, Span oh. Dan Bauer. Oh, Continue. very good! Yeah. Get out! Oh, no, strong, 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 definitely strong. Um, he asked if Marquette could pick up full court more this year, and this yes kinda extends with the guard depth um, conversation we were having earlier. Um, I, I, I want. It yeah, to I think happen. so. I think so too. I, I, I he says, Annam, Elliot, Nakano, who Sam, those were the three uh, non. Forward-leaning folks that you indicated as perimeter defender options, and I think there's a way that just with um, the quickness, not not just the overall defensive ability of a lot of those guys, um, I, I think you could even do it in lineups that have Howard and um, Howard and uh, Kobe in it. Um, I definitely think that that could be a way I, and I just think in general, this team is going to be better defensively, both in the post and on the perimeter. So, you know, playing to that strength as much as possible is something that I think, and it's not something that I'd really considered until seeing that question, but I definitely think would be a good way to utilize the, this roster's strengths.
0: Yeah. It's something I've, Because I kind of thought about... Because in Wojo's first year, we didn't know, like, anything about him. And so, informing our identity, we... At least I noticed, like, he was a top 60... Wait, well, the team was a top 60 team enforcing turnovers in his first year. And then he just kind of went away from it. And so now we're at the point where we were barely scraping the top 300 enforcing turnovers last year. And it can be attributed to somewhat by
1: Joseph Tartuni.
0: Yeah, a little bit, <laughs> but, but also like it partially caused them to have such a great field goal defense. But I think Boja might've turned a little bit too far in the other way. I think he could at least call upon pressure a little bit more. And I don't think it'll affect the scoring defense as much. I don't think that trade off exists
1: that much at this point is what i'm essentially saying i like that you i like that you made it sound like he's like dom capers dialing up the blitz or something
0: honestly i, I that's kind of how i'm picturing it in my head like yeah. just put a little bit of pressure on him it's not really gonna affect theo john and ed moral that much they can clean up fine by themselves and as long as you're still staying in front of your man you can swipe a little bit i don't know
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, one of the things that before we got the Jace Johnson commit, um, for the grad transfer, I was really looking forward to the idea that, um, because we were losing elite half court, um, offensive players, you know, let's get out and run a little bit more. And I think that would have also translated Mm -hmm. to the defensive end of like, if we're still going to play that four out one in, um, you know, that, that, that's a lineup of Marcus Kobe, Brendan, Sakar, Theo, but then, you know, behind them, you would have Dexter Ocano, Jamal Kane, Greg Elliott, all fast, all um, good defenders, um, you know, all um, athletic can jump out of the building. Um, So I was really excited for the fact that we might just play a hell of a lot faster. So, um, you know, basically what St. John's was trying to do. Yeah, St. John's with more competent players. (laughs) um or Or at least Virginia
0: uh, with an offense
2: press Virginia with an offense probably not as good as press Virginia but definitely something in that vein so I was I was excited for that possibility I I don't think we go to it a ton I think we definitely use it more I mean that's just how the roster is you can plant that big guy on the inbounder um especially if it's Theo or Ed um let them cause problems and then let all of like I don't know how good of a defender Kobe is, but he is long. He is quick and he is strong. So, you know, that lends itself to being an efficient, um, press player. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think that I want to see it more. I think that just the roster makeup with the three bigs means we won't see it as much as maybe I wanted to before Jace showed up. But, um, I do think that it's, um, going to be more in the arsenal this year, especially against teams like, I'm trying to think of, like, who we would definitely run it against. Um, DePaul. Well, yeah, no kidding. Um, DePaul. Oh, no, I mean, like, even St. John's this year, um, because they really don't have a point guard. Um, you know, I think I'd
1: run it. I wouldn't run mean, it against crazy. You mean Mustafa Haran University? <laughs>
0: yeah, basically that. But um, Providence, actually, is a pretty good one in trying to get yeah. David Duke out of his... Shoes out of his comfort zone a little bit.
1: Hey, I I almost thought you were going joke there for a second when Ooh. you like paused. You paused on the clothing item, oh, and I was no. <laughs> are you going joke
0: there? Please, no, uh, no, 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 not, not touching that with a ten foot pole. No,
2: but yeah, I think that's a good one. um You know, I think obviously you can run it against Wisconsin. um just in general, make them speed up, and they usually make mistakes, because that's how the, the Bo ryan Greg guard system is. Um, That'll be a fun game this year. Yeah. Um, fun, yeah, so I filled I, I, same thing. Yeah. yeah. So I think that um, it, it definitely will have a bigger place in the Marquette defensive playbook this year.
1: For sure. Um, let's rapid-fire a couple, and then we can get to... Um, some of our some of the less oh, one thing I think we should, um, well, no, let's let's do the rapid fire and then there's a, a significant market basketball topic that we haven't touched on that is not roster related that we can get to in a second. Um, Andy's question about should Marquette Seton Hall games this coming season be played under call your own foul rules? Um, I would say, uh, No, because then it would not conclude there would just be a fight. Uh, But also, if it's going to be officiated as poorly as the one in Madison Square Garden, I would say that something needs to be changed. So I could go either way on that one. Remember when Miles
0: Powell took a swing at Zakar Annam's head, and that should have disqualified him off the bat right then and there and they only
1: called that that a that was
0: that, that <sighs> game I'm, I'm was the mad darkest again.
1: timeline yeah that I uh, yeah that, game that was, was
0: that was geek. the maddest I have ever been at sports I I had plans that night and I just didn't go because I had to fire off tweets
1: yeah I was I was furious about that I feel oh. seen by that comment yeah <laughs> I had plans but I didn't go because I had to tweet <laughs>
2: I will tell you right now that if it's the same official that um, was managing that game um, for the Marquette Seton Hall game in Milwaukee, I will be thrown out of the Pfizer form. Ooh, wait,
0: pause. I'm thinking of maybe trying to go to that game. We should do a live podcast.
2: Live
1: podcast. That's okay. Right. That's yeah. That's the game I'm coming into town for this year. Actually. Okay. Now that you, now that you've, now that you've, uh, opened that can of worms. I think we should okay.
0: segue.
1: live Segway. from the Milwaukee
0: broth house.
1: Yeah. Oh god. We should, we should segue to the the primary topic that we haven't touched on yet. Um, that we should probably at least cursorily discuss because it's been a hot topic. Um, the National Marquette Day uh, choice mm. uh, was was roundly criticized. Um, I have never Mm-mm. seen. Marquette Twitter so angry about something, um, and it wasn't us. It wasn't just the Marquette basketball corner. It was casual Marquette uh, alumni with a Twitter account, just ratioing the official basketball account to high hell um, based on that simple decision. I'm not necessarily, I don't necessarily disagree with a lot of what was said, but I was just surprised at just how angry everyone was about that. Um, That was my biggest takeaway is, wow, people got really mad. Um, Because I think when you look at what their options were, first of all, they don't get to decide what. Sa- I, I, at least I assume so. I'm sure, I mean, maybe they have some input, but they don't get to decide which Saturdays in February are home games. And I think that February 1st against Paul is a terrible option. Oh, yeah. So no, I don't I'm- think you really have a choice. I, I don't think you want to make that choice. I think you, you would have avoided the anger that you got by making that choice. But I don't know if a lot of people are coming into town on Plus February. The, it's also
0: on a regional sports, sports network. It's on right. Fox regional for that. Exactly. And they're wanting it on national TV. Right. That's yeah.
1: exactly. That's True. a really good point.
2: Um, I mean, there's, so there's this great article that Andy, uh, the head of the, the site wrote up in response to all the anger. Um, Lord and savior. Yeah. And I mean, you know, after to look, yeah, I, I, no fan is going to be happy about it. But like at, after looking at it, um, I mean, obviously we rent out the Pfizer from the Bucks, so we have to deal with an NBA schedule. Um, the Big East sets the schedule based upon like, when do you have your building? OK, cool. We will schedule around that. Um, we got the schedule we got. I think I agree with Pat that DePaul on like the very first weekend of February is a very uninspired choice. Um, and then the only other Saturday abs- home game is what?
1: Senior Day. I, I I can picture the the uh, the commercials now running on television. DePaul University, an uninspired choice.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and honestly, that that sums it up for me, man. That's how I feel about DePaul. Anyway, continue.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, just like I think of the other two weekend home games Marquette has in February, there's the Sunday Butler game on February 9th, which is national Marquette day. And then there's senior day. Um, It makes marketing sense that a lot of people come into town for senior day and especially for Marcus Howard. um, And you want that to be their day. And it's a a marketing opportunity that you don't want to mix with another marketing opportunity in national Marquette day, which obviously packs the stadium and um, is a huge get together and reunion for alumni and everything like that.
0: My counterpoint I just, the Villanova game last year, which was already slated to be a top 15 matchup regardless. And like, it's going to be a huge day regardless of what it was. That was made National Marquette Day. That's, well, yes, kind of, that's, why I, that's why I'm pro senior day because they set the precedent for the most important game. And the one that will get the most hype will just kind of add on to that. That's why I'm pro.
2: See, yeah. I mean, I get that, but I, to push back on it, you know, we all knew that was going to be a top 15 matchup going in. And I think that that is a game that lends itself to like, it's on national television. It's a big deal. Um, but there's not a special event associated with it. Like senior day, you know what I mean? The, right. Like I think the, the, the lure of senior day, the last time these players will suit up in the, the serve and a Marquette Jersey Um, you know, I think that is different than just a top level matchup. Um, and you honestly, you have to work with what you're given. Yeah, sure. Seton Hall is going to be better than or DePaul or Butler this year. Sure. I, yes, I completely agree. Um, Seton Hall at home is going to be a bloodbath, but I think that, um, the Nova game last year made itself out to be the obvious choice, um, because it was going to be such a good game but there was no special other special event associated with it um I think yeah, because... I, I mean
0: I, yeah I see where that comes from I ultimately disagree I think that means we have to fist fight now I'm not yeah. sure what the rules we're gonna, are we're
2: gonna fu- we're gonna fist fight at senior day
1: tweet yeah. angrily
2: <laughs> all caps
1: that, that Strong, is that is wrong strongly worded letter
0: sure. <laughs> yeah I um, think that's I think that's kind of the Long and short of it, from all those ends,
1: but yeah, uh, yeah, many people so, were
2: mad. I do have one more uh, Twitter yeah. question. That's sort of in the, the serious oh,
1: realm. Let me finish oh. on. Let me finish on. Okay. National Marquette All I would say is, from my perspective, I know that when I look at the schedule and I say, "Okay, what game in that time period do I want to go to?" And it's very obviously Seton Hall. Um, and so I guess to a certain extent, I'm not sure how much of a difference it's really going to make in the end. I think it's a lot of people sort of griping about an arbitrary concept, um, more than anything, but I just it know is that a
0: made up holiday.
1: It is a made up holiday. It is a made up holiday that we take very seriously. <laughs> um, But I guess what I would just say is I know that when I looked at it and I didn't know which game was going to be National Marquette Day, I kind of decided in my head that, okay, I'm going to go to – I'm going to come back to Milwaukee for the February 29th game. And I don't know if that really is representative of what a lot of people are thinking. I think the biggest issue that was made very loud and clear on social media was that with – The game being on Sunday, there are a lot of people that do not live in Milwaukee or Chicago that are not going to be able to make the trip work because of that. And so I guess that's the thing that you're sacrificing by putting it on a Sunday, Um, in addition to maybe a little bit of the rowdy element of it, is the fact that people from further out of town either have to take a Monday off that they might not be able to get or uh, have to you know rearrange flights or uh, fly out more expensively. I know, for example, that a lot of people that come in um, to town and they' come into town in the past when I've been in Milwaukee have flown in and left on a Sunday morning. And that that can be a really convenient option for people. And that that is sort of what is denied um, in this instance. As um, So I think that that's really the biggest thing that is kind of what might backfire on them. People will still get rowdy on a Sunday morning. That is not, you know, Milwaukee from a rowdiness standpoint does not operate on a, like, it doesn't really matter what the day is as long as they don't have to go to work. It, people in Milwaukee will drink if you put a drinking occasion in front of them. But I just think, I guess, part of it is that that out-of-towner factor, which is a lot of – some some people really value that in, the, in that experience, and that's kind of being denied to them. But I do think that, objectively, I'm going to go to Seton. I was probably going to go to that Seton Hall game, regardless of whether they made it National Marquette or not because I want to go to that game. I want to go to Marquette slash Milwaukee for a basketball game as late as possible on the calendar to try to at least maybe get some decent weather. Um, And I want to pay my respects to the greatest scorer in the history of the program. And so, you know, Either way, I think I was gonna end up going to that, and I don't know if there is anything they could have done to change my mind. Anyway, so Did it Abraham must...
0: Lincoln make that speech a few years ago. I think you might have copied that off him. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, that can't, just went off.
1: I, I, I why? Because what I said was so long. Is that what the joke was? There? <laughs>
2: I need like a like a, a slowly waving American flag and some like inspiring big band music
1: behind it. Like, well, you can put that in and post. No, um, I am
2: not doing that. No, no, you're
1: not. Anonymous Eagle, not known for its high uh, production effort value threshold.
2: We bring the we bring the hashtag content, not the not the not the production value.
1: You're, you're here to hear three dudes talk, unfortunately. <laughs> um. Anyway, you can get on to whatever you were going to get on to, Sam. I'm, I'm, I'm good on that. But I just think like they got boxed in by the schedule. They made a choice between a couple of different options and I wasn't going to go anyway. Yeah.
2: Um, so we did have, um, one more question that we haven't really touched on. Um, you know, there, there's, there was a lot about, you know, on, over, under on number of recruit or number of freshmen in the class recruiting class and, um, you know, stuff about the uh, the two-big lineup. Um, but the one question we haven't really got to, and I know that uh, Joe and Phil got to it on Scrambled Eggs, um, but Jonathan Schmidt, um, from an earlier question, also asked, do we consider this year a disappointment if Marquette doesn't get past the first round of the
1: tournament? Uh, uh, tournament nice. success doesn't equal season success. Yeah, yeah I mean... I think the one thing you could say, I totally, totally, totally agree with Ben's sentiment there. I think the one thing you could say is it would be sort of an accumulation of Wojo can't get out of the first round of the tournament. Because that would be his third NCAA tournament appearance. And if he lost again, it's like, all right, what are we what are we really accomplishing here?
0: If Yeah, I mean, it would definitely suck, but if they... When Well, sorry, not if. When they go undefeated and get the number one overall seed and lose. And if they were to lose to a 16 seed, I wouldn't be like, well, this whole season sucked.
1: I I would generally say that if they don't get out of the first round of the NCAA tournament in Marcus Howard's entire um, college career, that's more of a disappointment than sort of the isolated vacuum of this roster. Not Oh, yeah. Because I don't know if I expect this roster to win an NCAA tournament game. I mean, I think I think their team last year was better than this team. Yeah. They early bracketology,
0: I think, Lenardi and Andy Katz both put out their way too early ones that yeah. don't matter in any sort of way. But, I mean... It was like 8-9 right? 7. Yeah, between the 7, seven. and 10 range is about yeah. within expectations. Yeah,
1: so, I mean, that's... Like, even if you do win that game what does that really do? Like, you yeah. beat a team that's about the same as you, and yeah. you and if you get stomped by whatever the, the, the team in the next round is, like, what does that really accomplish? I think... They
0: remember when we were going to be a top five team this year.
1: Yeah, it was fun for the week it lasted. Um, I just think, like, you can't... That sort of, like you said, Ben, determining how you feel about the whole season based on whether they win that first game or not, is not going to tell the whole story. It's going to be, what did they do to that point? And relative to how that went, how do you feel about them going forward? And, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Generally, I would say that if all this team does is make the tournament and lose, I'll be more pissed about what that says about the direction of the program than what this roster accomplished relative to expectations.
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to do it. I mean, you know, there was also the disappointment um, because we were supposed to be so good last year or, you know, we, we came in as a five seed. Yeah, we drew the absolute worst matchup for ourselves and we were already collapsing as a team. Um. So it just amplified it even more. But um, I think that, this year, I, yeah, tournament success does not equal um, a season success. Uh, but I think I'm still on the side of it as a, a failure of a season. And hear me out on this. Um, <gasps> so I know that uh, when Phil and Joe on cra- are on uh, scrambled eggs, um, we're saying like they they want they wanted to see some progression of like win the big East tournament or win the Big East regular season. And like, if you lose a tournament game, you do, it happens. But, um, the more I, the more I thought about that, let it kick around my brain. The more I thought about, like, we have a consensus, all like first team, all American on the team. We have good enough role players around him. Yeah. We were better last year, but that was some chemistry issues and some injury issues and everything else that was collapsing in front of our eyes. Um, this team seems to have cohesion, you know, from what we can tell, and that's not much, but um, this team seems to have uh, better cohesion. This, uh, you know, I think that this has to be a year where Marcus Howard has to win a game. Like, I think if he does not win a game in the tournament, then it's going to just be, like, forever a blemish on, like, look at all these amazing things that he's done, yes, but I think that him getting a game is important and we are good enough to win an NCAA tournament game. I know it's a crap shoot. I know that you can't really ever predict. Um Do we know we're good enough to win an
1: NCAA? Like, don't we have I, to see this team play first before we know that
2: the more I think about it, the more I think I am confident in what I just said. Okay. So I think that like, I don't want to call it a failure if we don't win one, but I th- The more and more I think about it, the more and more I think it will be, Um, especially because the next year is going to be a transitional year, Um, you know, unless we get just this star studded loaded freshman class. Um, And, you know, we already have two great guys coming in. We're in the running for a lot of other great players, too. But like this is going to be the most successful this team will be um, for, you know, at least a year. Um, you know, we'll see some regression. We'll see some.
1: Yeah, some I think that I think that depends on how good Kobe McEwen ends up being, though, because I think there's is a world that the regression isn't enormous if you factor in some uptick in a number of the different players and sort of cycle out Marcus Howard's roster negatives. I think that there's a chance that the regression isn't massive, but I think it's also just you are not going to be able to replace what he does on offense. And if he, if he can go up another level next year and, you know, sort of work out some of the issues that plagued Tim late in the season, you're right in saying that taking him off this team next year is going to be a really difficult challenge.
2: Yeah. So I think that um, that's kind of where I sit with calling it a success because, you know, we, we, we know what's coming up next Um, In the program and yeah, sure, you can't, you know, if Brendan Bailey is a first team, all big East and is the new star of the program, um, you know, if Kobe is as advertised and ends up being like a superhero scorer and immediately steps in the Marcus Howard shoes. Sure. But we don't know that until we actually see it. And that's why I think that because of the uncertainty after this year, I think we need to do something this year. I don't think I don't think we have what it takes to go deep. But we are good enough to win a crapshoot of an NCAA tournament game. Yeah, and sure. So, so I think I, I I'm on board with that
1: take. I would like Wojo to like prep better for the next NCAA tournament game. Is that, yeah. is that a is that a fair complaint?
0: That remember, is we very gave fair. up 60 points in the second half to a South Carolina team whose offense was garbage. Yeah, I'm I'm but trying not team, to
1: think about it. That team made the final four, so I I don't really hold that against. Sandarius Stormwell <laughs> was. A, a hero
0: combined with a god, yeah, yeah. So I guess I should probably walk back on that.
2: Yeah, but I like. I think that this has got to be the year Wojo puts up her shuts up with a some tor- form of tournament win. Um But you know, I I'd I think much,
0: I'd, I just I'd just much rather like win the Big East like tournament like a tournament. I obviously really want to win that, but like again, if they. Overperform expectations and then they lose on a Jimmer for half court shot when he comes back, then I'm, I'm, it's going to suck because I want Marcus Howard to be happy for the rest of his life, but I'm not going to immediately pivot to, well, this whole season was terrible because of just that.
1: Yeah. So, I so know. Th-
0: that's, that's the crap shoot part of it. Yeah. So I guess I guess I'm separating my own sadness from my ultimate thoughts of what the entire season was.
2: Sure, that's fair. Um, but I guess I don't have anything else to say about that. So we're gonna yeah. get into the, the the funnier questions.
1: Yeah, let's let's divert um for some time here. Um, Sam, would you like to kick off with Marvel Corner here? Wait, hold <laughs> on. Um, uh,
0: we have a sponsor.
1: Oh, what, who's our who's our <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, Sam's Marvel Minute is sponsored by owls. Pretty good animals, just owls.
1: Ben, what are you? That was an amazing, completely improv live read. There, what a, what a, I just like. Oh, wait,
0: hold on. Uh, so Connor, this is wow. Completely, you know what? Never mind. What's the plural of fruit by the foot?
2: Oh God.
0: Why? Why do you do this? Fellow Anonymous Eagle writer, Connor Lagor, Lagor, I forget how to pronounce it, but he retweeted it today, and I had multiple 15-minute conversations about it, it. It has to be fruit by the feet.
2: Yeah, it's it's fruit by the feet.
1: Yeah, it, about, has to but be it because
0: the, I'm on team your, what are you by adding? the
1: foot. What are you adding, though? You're adding feet. So, it's, But it's multiple fruits, i get i mean there's there's zero fruit in any of that okay okay so like here
2: i'm gonna this is my take on this and i'm gonna get fighty about it (laughs) so like when you're talking about individual objects of fruit it's like it's like there's this diverse number of fruit fruits like it's it's this number of fruits but if you're just referring to it as like in general like i don't point at bananas and go like or just like multiple bananas and go hey look fruits i say hey look fruit so like i yeah fr- fruit fruit can operate well, as with a singular and a plural there now if
0: i'm actually about like, that's actually a pretty good no yes, one it, no one had mentioned that
1: yeah i was gonna say is is fruit by the foot a possibility just like don't do anything to it
0: okay no actually someone in uh, my group text. Said that he asked his boss about it and that's what was his answer was. That's, and that's, I immediately was like, that's horrible.
1: I believe that the answer is fruit by the feet, but I would I would I, I would I, no, I, I'm, okay I'm, with Sam's logic there. But I'm if it's,
0: fruit if, by if fruit foot. by the foot is a proper noun, then it should be taken as one thing, then like it's fruit by the foot. And so then it should be fruit by the foots.
1: If you're gonna make the foot oh. part plural no okay this is but, like it, we're, we're cutting this off yeah, <laughs> this is there's just flagrant flagrant disrespect for any sort of human decency going on here so part. On the,
2: the, the really quick marvel and or disney plus questions yeah. that well, were asked
1: do the do andy's question about the sure. the mandalorian obi-wan casting Andor, clone wars
2: sure uh so yeah uh, again uh captain of the mothership andy
1: um I guess that's not technically Marvel Corner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's
2: it's all owned by Disney now. So, um, Disney Corner just sounds a lot more immature.
1: Um, Disney, Disney IP Corner.
2: There you go. Um, so there's The Mandalorian, the new Obi Wan Kenobi, uh, series, the new Cassian Andor series, with Cassian Andor being a character from Rogue One, um, or the return of the Clone Wars in a a TV show that's all going to be on Disney Plus in the next few years. Um, I feel like it's sacrilegious to not want Ewan McGregor back as Obi-Wan Kenobi, but I'm way more interested in the Mandalorian. Um, Just because, like, we've seen movies with Jedi in them, and, like, yeah, it's going to be really cool Obi-Wan adventures, and it's going to be nostalgic, and it's going to be great to see him back in the role. Um, And you sort of get to bridge the gap, because it's like a 19-year gap in between Revenge of the Sith and um, A New Hope. So you could see some of that part, but I'm way more excited about exploring, like, the idea of Mandalorians came up because they wanted Boba Fett to have cool armor in the original, um, star Wars trilogy. So they built an entire lore based purely off the fact that this one dude had cool, distinct looking armor. And so I'm way more excited to see what they make canon in that because there's a bunch of extended universe stuff that's existed for years that, um, when Disney bought and, um, announced a new trilogy, um, they sort of retcon that all as like, oh no, this actually didn't happen that's not this is all just basically really really a well written fanfic so um i'm- I'm curious to see what angle Disney's going to take with the mandalorian so i'm that's the most exciting one to me
1: i not to jump on your corner here, but I would say that for me, really beyond the fact that when I was a kid, they were coming out and I thought it was awesome, the real only redeeming part of those uh George Lucas early two thousand Star Wars movies is Ewan McGregor. And I, I I'm really happy that they are letting him come back and sort of capitalizing on, hey, well we did do something right with him if we didn't do almost anything right with the entire other part of it. Sure. Um so I'm excited about that. And and I say that but I'm and I didn't include uh Liam Neeson in that because Liam Neeson is also a positive although short lived part of those go. those movies. Anyway, um, so hopping over to Marvel now.
2: What the heck? What, what was, was that? It? Ben, what that was
0: are you just, doing? That was uh remember the Simpsons when Homer calls that guy a nerd? <laughs> Is that what that was? <laughs> yeah, it was a Simpsons clip. I'm trying to put in sound we're gonna effects get here. Add, add that strike to strikes for that. Action.
1: If we're going to work drops into the pod, I feel like we need to like have a discussion about this, not just like <laughs> blast off rogue YouTube clips and then explain it afterward. Eh, <laughs> <laughs> we're good. Okay, we, can, so we're can, we can make a larger discussion. Um,
2: so, a really quick Marvel question, um, also about the Disney Plus um, realm. Um, so, there's going to be a bunch of... From Alan Bukowski. Um... There's a bunch of Marvel content that's coming to Disney Plus as well. That's going to tie in directly with the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe set of movies.
1: Is um, this what you what you ranted about last time? Correct. Yes. Um, so let's 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 not let's not do five minutes on it. This. No. Time. No. 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 So <laughs> I, I, I
2: I actually had an answer for this one. Shut up. Kay. So he asked which Marvel Disney Plus show excites you the most. Um, the answer to that is uh, WandaVision. So, oh wow! Really? Um, so I as a comic book reader i read all, i read a bunch of the marvel comics um i really like the character of scarlet witch um she's way more powerful in the comics than she was shown to be in the movies and but she's only getting stronger in the movies and she that show ties directly into my favorite superhero um's new movie coming out in a couple of years which is the next doctor strange movie wanda vision or wanda maximal would
1: be a doctor strange guy shut
2: up um but like there's that show ties directly into the next doctor strange movie. Um, like the events of that show will influence that movie. And so that's why I'm, it's the one I'm most interested in.
1: I don't, I'm not even saying that like pejoratively. I just think like Sam would freaking be a doctor strange guy. And just, just, I'm just saying, I don't, I'm not saying that in like Sam sucks because he's a doctor strange guy. I'm just saying like, you would like the most like complicated, uh, Power one, just with all that goes with it and how much you take it seriously.
0: Yeah. The uh, is number one on my list of words that I'll use, but have no idea what they mean.
1: It <laughs> means mean.
2: <laughs> so, okay. um, Ben, the next one uh, you responded to, so I'm going to let you take it first. Um, Nick Beyer asked, uh, oh, yes. Who's the biggest villain? Uh, the Grinch, Bo Ryan, or Joker? Ben took oh, yeah. it, FMK. Um. So we have the Grinch, Bo yeah, Ryan, and Joker. FMK, Ben.
1: You said let it? take let Ben take it first. Uh, if if we're gonna just go FMK, I think we're gonna let Ben take it only. <laughs> <laughs> first go off, let's, Ben's territory.
0: I think I think it's pretty unanimous that we're killing Bo Ryan. Just correct. Lead him out to pasture and yes, let yes, him yes. graze for the rest of his day. This was
1: always this was always going to be a discussion about the sexual merits of the Grinch versus the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So hold on. Are we doing?
0: Are we doing animated Grinch or are we doing Jim Carrey Grinch? Uh, you know, it's, and Joker. Are we doing Heath Ledger Joker? Are we doing New Walking Phoenix Joker?
2: Or are yeah, we doing? You segment your
1: call. I think you can take it in any direction you want because, first of all, I'm not even sure which is – like which of the Grinches – like I don't – does it even matter? I think it's got to be – anyway, go ahead.
0: I'm probably going to go Jim Carrey. That was uh, – you know like those kids' movies where like something about it like freaks you out or scares you and you just can't get over that for the rest of your life? Yes. That's the Jim Carrey Grinch oh, when he first scares Lindsay Lou who I was
1: like, whew. That's so man. funny. Because my brother had the exact same thing. My Literally brother was not was not like so a scared hard that kid I had or to anything. get out of the
0: movie. Oh yeah, he wasn't a scared kid or anything. of anything,
1: but he had to. We went to see that in theaters, and like he couldn't go see a movie in the theater for a while. He, I mean, he was only like five at the time, but yeah. but yeah, he was absolutely completely terrified of that. And I, I, wow, it's so funny to hear you say that. Yeah.
0: So I think I'll confront my uh, childhood trauma by effing the Jim Carrey Grinch. Just really, yeah. He's just
2: going full th- Harley Quinn. Yeah, I think just for my own. You know,
0: it's it's empowering for me if I have a one night stand with the Grinch. You know,
2: <laughs> you know isn't, it's that,
0: take, it's isn't that why you have one Let's cut that, please. Can
2: we? Don't, can we cut that?
1: Don't you have to? Don't you have to like have a short dalliance with the madness of the Joker? But. Since the Grinch has a redemption but arc. But it's
0: enticing. The The Heath Ledger Joker is just enticing. It's beautiful. Wow. It's magical.
1: See, I would say that's an know, arc. Maybe,
0: maybe adopt a, a couple kids term. out of Arkham. Start to move out together.
1: Wow. Paint <laughs> <laughs> the town red. <laughs> oh. oh, oh, we are running out of gas on this we podcast. Need, need, we,
2: need to, we need to get away from this as fast as possible.
1: Yeah, this is a this is a runaway train of this a, is a dark
2: this is a dark place, and we need to come back to the light. Um, so
1: we do have one more tweet
2: that has two more questions in it. How many chickens would it take to kill an elephant? So this is from not Rob Um How many chickens would it take to kill an elephant? There's like a battle simulation, simulation game for that. Yep. So like invest and maybe find out.
1: Elephants shouldn't be killed, and chickens are docile in nature and wouldn't kill other animals. That's my so answer.
2: The, the, the limit does not exist. Um, yeah. And then he asks one of the more controversial internet questions. Pineapples on pizza.
1: I've never understood why this question is so controversial. Because I, I no don't spirit. get why
2: people like pineapples in general. It's like eating oh, okay. a vat of acid. Ben and well, I definitely have that's... to throw fists now. Like, we have Pineapple to throw is hands. a
1: terrible fruits. Okay. No, no. Oh, okay. We're you yeah, that off Great, the podcast. great plural callback there. Thank you, thank you. Um, that was great. Did picking you notice, did you even notice that, Sam? Nope, that I'm he, mad. Did <laughs> <it's> the <a> plural. <laughs> I figured you would have cracked up if you noticed it. Um, I'm mad about his awful pineapple
2: taste.
0: Pineapple sucks. It okay, sucks a so, mountain of ass.
1: Okay, that's just a bad take. Um, the but, worst, but I don't the worst understand citrus. why it's so controversial. Like, can't you just... Hawaiian, Hawaiian pizza is fine. It's not good, really, and it's not bad, really. It's just very replacement-level pizza. And it's not... So pineapple on pizza, I'd never have gotten why it's so controversial. Because for me, it's just like, that would be my fourth choice, but I'd understand people who like it. God. Yeah, no, it's, that, 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 it. Is the,
2: that is the correct take.
1: Okay, good. I don't don't think it's good. What is good good about
2: a pineapple? Just it. it, We're done here. It's a a
1: great tasting fruit. Um, Last 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 bit of uh, housekeeping on the Twitter questions. Uh, Ben Snyder, 94, weighed in with. um, I heard uh, that guy rules. Yeah. Would you like to read his tweet? Because because you know him pretty well.
0: Uh, I don't have it in front of me, so I'll need you to it's, read this it, one out to the class.
1: The popular music one. I think you know off the top of your head what it is. If you'd like to, if you'd like to read it, I just don't want to say the phrase "Allie and AJ" out loud. You okay, just so did. <laughs> okay. So, so here's here's my take. I'll let you clear out for your Allie and AJ standing. By the way, I do love that that was like a deep reply tweet that an Allie and AJ account managed to find and favorite. That was yeah. That that was that's true. A lot it. of
0: my, a lot of the niche things that I tweet about, there's like someone out there that finds it. Like, um,
1: does that make you some, feel warm inside? It it
0: does a little bit. Like someone out there was a big fan of the. Remember the Wisconsin Green Bay team that Marquette lost to in 2013.
1: Yes. Yeah, I was a yeah. playable Game.
0: Yeah, Kiefer Sykes was one of yeah. my favorite players that year, and I tweeted about him once that I like missed him, and a Kiefer Sykes fan account like popped up and liked it. It was it was pretty cool. But anyway, so Kiefer Sykes, all- no,
1: I'm here, let me get my take out of the way before you launch an alienate. Please do, year. yeah. First of all, two things: Kiefer Sykes was by far the best player on that team, and he's not the one that's a rotational piece for the best team in the NBA last year. That's wild. Um, wow. Afonso McKinney. Shout out there! Um, the second take I have is that while I'm mostly agnostic to this form of music, "Sucker" by the Jonas Brothers for them to come back with that song—that song was great. I will. I, I that song is an, it absolutely slaps. It is. It is a fantastic song. It is a, a bop, as the kids say, and it is. So I will go to war for that song in particular and as that was their comeback song i am at least slightly pro their comeback especially because one of them is married to sophie turner anyway so go ahead
0: partially so partially going off that i was wondering no sorry not me uh ben snyder 94 was wondering (laughs) If the Allie and AJ comeback has been overshadowed by the Jonas Brothers comeback, I'm not necessarily saying that it shouldn't be because, again, the Jonas Brothers comeback has been iconic. Like everyone has been wanting it for years, but sneakily from like those, uh, you know, Disney Channel stars that became music people, Allie and AJ, like they rule. Like they are they had some song, like potential breakup song. You can play that at any party. And it still holds up. But they went away for a little bit. They didn't really act much anymore. They definitely weren't making making music. And then 2017, they just randomly released a song called Take Me. And my God, that is like, that's you? what I peel out to oh, of a parking garage on Friday afternoons. And they followed it up with an EP called Sanctuary. And it's five songs they're all amazing it's it's not the same vibe it's a little bit they've not aged they've matured they've come into their own a lot more and i just really wish that they are popular enough to the point that this this was something that people were talking about because no one is talking about the Ali and aj comeback right now i bring it up at gatherings just out of nowhere because i want someone out there to be on the same wave as me. <laughs> so, oh, also, <laughs> Like, Whoa. Very great song. Like, that was in the same era of, like, late aughts as potential breakup song. It Do I need to, just like, nice.
1: invent my own corner now? <laughs> so that we all have one of these at the end of every podcast? Because... Yeah, I, I'll just go into I,
0: a different, like... I almost feel, Disney like, Channel left star. out.
1: Um... I, I I feel yeah it's I, I I need something I need something to nerd out on I'll I'll, I'll marinate on that. I mean we do uh, have
0: a podcast dedicated to the team of a college that like ten thousand people go to every year so I think we've made our own little
1: niche market here. Are you saying we're niche enough as 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 we are? Because I think you're right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sam and I, I just happen that.
0: to dig ourselves into holes that only we
1: exist in. I will. I will. I will. I will strategize on what my Pat, hole.
2: Is. Pat, Pat will find his own shovel to dig a hole. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know. Yeah. All right. Um, I think we're good to go here, gentlemen. It was lovely as always. Um, it was long as always, and uh, we will uh, be back probably. Oh, I would guess about a month from now. Um, Sam, when did we start doing pods last time? Yeah, like probably, probably about October.
2: Yeah, probably the the month before the season or three weeks before the season started. So.
1: Yeah. so, yeah, we'll probably be back around then. We wanted to just throw one in here so we didn't completely abandon folks for another two months after not doing one for three. Um, but we uh, appreciate anyone who is still listening at this point in the podcast, to be completely honest. We've ran everybody off. <laughs> <laughs> we we will uh get back with you folks in about 3
0: weeks. Fruits by the foot. <laughs> Pineapple sucks.
1: Oh, stop. Cut it off.